Welcome to the Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast, the tirade film movie debate podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shanahan. And I am William Muncher Johnson. We won't mention what he munches, munches on. Sometimes it's chips, sometimes Munchin. it's carpet. It can be a lot of things. <laughs> Uh, folks, mostly getting, steel poles. That could be a euphemism for several things too. Just saying, okay. Indeed, indeed. It yeah, can. For, you know, I have to try to get back at you with all the sausage in my mouth stuff we had back in our Chicago days. Oh so. boy, oh boy. I know, right, uh, folks? I still love all the sausages in my mouth, so that's where this is going. Indeed. Speaking of sausages in our mouths, there is no slimer to talk about, but we are here to talk <sighs> about. Oh, I didn't even do the rest of the read, but we'll get to it. Folks, we're damn glad to have you. This is all for tantrum's sake, where shared passions and high fives wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love. But for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. This week, just in time for a new release that comes out today, we're going to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife, recommended by pretty much the both of us and also our press obligations. Our format is this. That's it. That's, that's it. it. That's the why press we're here. obligations. Why we're I'm not here. recommending shit. <laughs> the recommending lover is going to have to be me today, folks. Uh, I will get five uninterrupted minutes to shower my praise and state my high-minded case. The hater take a guess, follows with his own five uninterrupted minutes of their own to present his counterpoints with any manner of intellectual scorched earth or munched carpet. After that, we open it up for 15 minutes of shared conversation where the hissy fit really gets chippy. Folks, let's go. Will, how you doing, man? Happy Monday. Well, it was, uh, I'm going to ask you about your weekend in a second, but since you asked me, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about myself. Okay. Um, well, uh, I'm disappointed. My soccer team uh, mm. practiced very horribly today, and I thought um, they're all hey, listening to this podcast. It's going to be great. Yeah, no, if they are, I'm in big trouble. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yes, you um, are. But uh, I so I thought, oh, you know what? Um, I'm going to go to the movies, uh, and and that'll that'll help. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> which is why we're here. <laughs> let's talk about well, before we get into that let's talk about some um i am a jealous man i mm. think you have be, you've come into possession i uh, have at least half of something that i'm really interested in so <laughs> what uh what why don't you tell me about your most recent acquisition yeah so um warner brothers was kind enough to send me a the Ultimate Collector's Edition of the Middle-Earth series. It is a 31-disc monster that contains all the theatrical and extended versions of the three Hobbit films and, of course, the three Lord of the Rings films. And um, I'm on the Warner Brothers home media press list, so as long as I give them some good coverage, it's in the good graces that they send me these wonderful promo copies. And this one's a beast. I mean, it's got this... The the collectible slipcase alone, I call... I call box sets like this fine china over here at the house. I got a I got a great Bond uh, 50 anniversary box set. I got a I got the Avengers briefcase from Phase One and some nice things. But this one, it like transforms into three different forms that you can display it in. Uh, you know, a solid box and more of a row, or just a long kind of tablet looking thing. It's pretty crazy. And um, of course, for the fans of the Lord of the Rings series, it has all the zillions of features that you could ever ask for that used to come in the old um, DVD sets with all the, um, I forgot what they used to call them, but it was all the, the, the treatments and extra discs of how they made it in. And as a person who digested those back in the day, I love it because like appendices, of, I think appendices, appendices. that was the thing. You're right. And uh, what really impressed me then was 
you know, in the DVD age, we, we've got to see back when they really cared about physical media, they, they put a lot of making of stuff and obviously the commentaries on a lot of discs, but they were always the, you know, the, the studio filled 15 minute talking heads. Oh my gosh, I love our movie. And I had such a great time making it. It's the same shit every time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I've been getting a lot of these Warner brothers movies like suicide squad and, 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 um, oh gosh, I don't know what else is on the wall over here behind me. Justice league, where there's a lot of just the, the quick hitting five to 10 minutes, you know, barely a glimpse into the making of but those appendices back in the day were longer than the movies themselves because they showed you every stitch of everything it took to make it and i that always impressed me i it's so rare you get a lot of dvds or even just movie editions on physical that show you that much i think before lord of the rings the best one i ever saw was the abyss james cameron's the abyss yeah he has like an entire two-hour documentary on the abyss disc Equally as long as the movie that shows you the highs and the lows of that whole crazy production. And yeah. this is, folks, this is a gorgeous set because it's all 4K. The Blu-ray's in there for fun. It's, you know, celebrating the 20th anniversary of the whole franchise. And I'm a big fan of all six films. I know you kind of run your different opinions on the Hobbit ones. Tell me about how where you come into Lord of the Rings here, Will. Well, I'm going to backtrack a little bit on what you were talking about with the behind the scenes. I think yeah. that, yeah, I think that was a great period of time because that was... So I remember um, I was such a fan of the Lord of the Rings stuff. Uh, I mean, and, and everyone who knows me knows I have Lord of the Rings tattoos. Um, I, I would buy the theatrical version in August because, you know, the films came out in December. Uh, December 2001 was the first one. So I would buy mm-hmm. the theatrical in August because we used to have to wait that long. Right. On DVD. And then in November, December, before the next movie would come out, they would release the extended edition, you know, and I would buy that and I would just consume that media. I would say, yes, I agree with you on the abyss. Terminator two also had a lot of really great, very much so. um, hidden stuff. Uh, some other highlights for me in terms of like stuff that was really big was I think uh, sometime in the late night. Now, you know what? Uh, I'm going to go in chronological order. I think one of my favorites is um, there was a great, documentary uh on episode one star wars episode one that was on the dvd so that was 99 um that was really good i think it was called uh a a new beginning or something Mm -hmm. like that and it it showed you the warts and all of how they were making that film uh but then lord of the rings just um i know with the books to 11 it was just ridiculous um and uh there is kind of a uh i would say for the horror fans out there, there was a really cool Nightmare on Elm Street set that came out around the time Freddy vs. Jason came out that had this encyclopedia uh, disc mm. um, that had all this stuff on there. So those are kind of like my my three heavyweights of behind the... I mean, those yeah. are the ones I, I weigh I weigh special features. Because, yeah, I, I'm one of these people that I, I, I don't like the... What are they called? EPKs? You know, just kind yeah. of... Yeah. The to- uh, like the- I said, the talking head PR stuff that looks like a junket and a half. It's yeah, I do not like it. Package I- comments, I- softball questions, nothing. Yeah, yeah, I I tend to skip those because you can feel they're not genuine, uh, and right. and that's not to say that the the emotions on these things are not genuine. Like to me, the most heartwarming I've ever felt, the most like the most my heart's ever been warmed watching behind the scenes stuff is anytime I watch something on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. and Lord of the Rings, because you can tell it's, it's not actors just saying, you know, the, 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 the publicist lines, 
like you can tell these people actually love each other. Like they, they love their company. They love the art they're making their lifelong friends. I mean, the -hmm. fact that you can still like hop on Instagram and see Billy Boyd and Dominic Monaghan like hanging out, like that fills your heart with joy. So there's, there's a bonus, there's a bonus disc in this set. I guess it's part of the newer things that are in this box is uh, the Alamo draft house hosted cast reunions to honor the 20th anniversary. And they're all, they're all on here in a nice disc. It's and there's, I guess, a can festival presentation reel. And yeah, I mean, folks, consumers, if you have an extra two hundred fifty dollars, which Warner Brothers, thank you, um, <laughs> you you can pick this up in stores now and put it under the Christmas tree because it's it is really something. But yeah, that's what I, I'm up to. someday. I got to dig into this thing. I jokingly, because I think you ended up getting two of them, right? I did. And I, oh, <laughs> yes, sorry. No, I did, I, but you're good. <laughs> I, I jokingly said, like, are you going to share it? But I'm not going to be greedy because, yes, I do not like the Hobbit films. So I don't, I feel like if I took you up in your offer and took it, I would yeah. be denying somebody else. That's ah, all right. The, I did end up finding a taker for it. He will not be named just in case there's jealousy and I cherry pick oh, somebody but yeah, yeah yeah no it's all because of me that he gets it so <laughs> it's true. i gave it i gave it up so the I gave person it up who is you. the person who is listening to the show who received my second one know and he will listen know that this was william johnson's first all right well yeah so we're here <laughs> for different nostalgia older nostalgia but also oh, something no. current up here i know here comes that word nostalgia and i'll say it right in my I'm one of those people who doesn't like to use the buzzwords because uh, I'm going to do my best to write a review by Friday that does not use the words fan service and does not use the words nostalgia, but it's going to be very difficult to do so because we're talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife. This is not fan service. This is fan raping. Ooh, see, here we go. This is this is forcing, mm. forcing nostalgia into your eye holes. <laughs> it's rape. It's not... It's not. I'm. I'm oh, sorry. Boy. Well, I, I can't maybe. go the rape narrative here, man. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to go rape narrative. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, I apologize for going that far. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, it's abuse. Call it. Call it mental yes. and intellectual abuse. Creative abuse. Go there. Yes. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go with abuse. Let's go with abuse. Okay. Uh, sorry. So all of you are going to cancel me now because I said that. Yeah. I apologize. Fuck Anyways. Me. Yeah, right. Right. I guess I got to go first with the five minutes. So I'll start the clock here. Please, please do. So I, you know, folks, you know me who listen to the show. I don't watch the trailers. I don't watch teasers. I just, I really try to come in with, I don't want to have, I don't want to have specific expectations. I really even try to use the words. I just even hate using the word expectations. I even saw your post earlier today where you came in pretty light on this too, using the, the, the E word of expectations. And I didn't watch trailers, didn't watch teasers. I knew, you know, I knew Jason Reitman was back for this. I knew they obviously went for a younger cast and, and Paul Rudd was, was, was prime on the list of all that. Uh, and I figured just because of, you know, Jason Reitman's involvement, and there was really no secret out there that you'd get some of the older cast members to come back. I mean, if they're going to come back in weird, different incarnations of different things for a bunch of Saturday Night Live stars and physical comedians a couple years ago, bringing them back for something more pure, or at least something that was intended to be more pure was, was a no brainer. And you knew it was going to happen at the same time, I don't know about your screening tonight, but we had a video message from Jason Reitman to just, you know, call this bit of a family affair and to request no spoilers. We'll do our best on this show not to get too far with spoilers, but we're, or at least we'll put a warning on the thing that says it's going to be spoilers. But 
yeah, this movie definitely rockets things into the into the future of the, I guess, the present day, where the, obviously it's been 30 years plus that we haven't had a ghost and all that. And they make sure that they kind of tie this you know young family that we have to the Ghostbusters of the past while introducing a few new characters here in a different setting. And I was okay with that. Um, I respect Jason Reitman as a filmmaker. I think he is better than his dad in a couple of, in a couple of areas, not always all the areas, but you know, up in the air in, in, in I, he's the guy who did Juno. He's the guy who did thank you for smoking. I, I like his stuff. He can bring some gravitas into some places and he can bring a whole lot of heart and, Ghostbusters back in the day and with its true intentions and originality was meant to kind of be a fun, just kind of, I won't call it a roller coaster ride because that 84 movie is not a roller coaster by any means, but just be a sauntering, swaggering, good bit of fun. And the, and the sequel, Ghostbusters 2, I'm, I'm one of those people who's a fan of it. It doesn't bother me. I know some people go think it's a very big step down. It is a step down, but I don't hate it. And it's all in good fun because that's how this series started out. It was all in good fun. So to have this kind of be a Ghostbusters that passes the baton from a movie kind of for older folks and, you know, 30 something guys trying to be, you know, schlubs trying to be heroes into something that is now passed to children because, you know, a couple of the critics at my screening tonight are like, Hey Don, you know, cause we got to bring plus ones tonight. They're like, Hey Don, you didn't bring your kids. I'm like, no, you know, they haven't one, they haven't got this far with their movie stuff. And even then I don't think I'd, call it much of a family movie so they're a little spooky it's just spooky enough where i can't take a seven and eight year old to this sort of thing and i wouldn't have brought a seven eight year old tonight but so when with jason reitman's involvement in the in the folks that are in this movie and with the director's own statement at the beginning you find that this movie really points its compass to family and that is a very different place for a ghostbusters movie to go it can be a bit of a different place for a blockbuster lately to go other than unless your name is fast and furious where everything's fucking family so <laughs> i mean it's family without having to say it 16 times to remind you and hit you over the head with a you know lug nut and a t- torque wrench so yeah I, what I I had to ask myself tonight while watching it, like, does Ghostbusters have the capacity to kind of take that emotionality on, or at least that 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 guise of emotionality on? And then, of course, yeah, you're going to mix the nostalgia, you're going to mix the fan service that's in there, and can it work? And for the most part, for me, I feel like it did. I think this movie has a, its heart in the right place. It comes with care in mind. Um, it does hit you over the head with these things we're talking about from the nostalgia and fan service point of view. I laughed. I think the thing, the thing that saves it for me where there's places you can eye roll a lot. A buddy of mine that went with me to the movie tonight was one of those people who's kind of eye rolling the same way. Like, all right, that's a little much, but for me, what saved it is the wit. I really was impressed by the writing in this movie and the script because, you know, you give Paul Rudd a couple of places to kind of be an affable guy and then throw a zinger to in there. Carrie Coon, you know, you don't expect her to, you, you see that character at the beginning, you think she's just going to be kind of that beleaguered mom, but even her, she has her whip crack things that she says in return that kind of, you know, disarms you a little bit goes oh yeah wow this is a fuck up mom being a fuck up and she's kind of okay being a fuck up and then fuck up kids kind of being fuck up kids too and is it some mary sueness with the main girl and is there is thin wolf hard there just to kind of be thin wolf hard and not have a lot really to do is paul rudd there to be paul rudd i think it is but that's what you hire him for so i I liked it. I really, really did. It's not the greatest thing in the world. It's not going to surpass the old stuff, but um, I won't call it what you're going to call it in the next five minutes. That's my time. 
yeah no i mean great um good for you um <laughs> no problem i mean okay oh, here yeah Here's my bell yeah Check. Oh, there you go. Okay. yeah all right i'm just gonna start and i may engage you on this a little bit because whatever oh. i don't okay. care um but uh you know uh, okay i'm gonna hit start all right yeah do your five so, catch you the, i'll catch you at the foot on the other side all right so yeah i i was one of those people um I don't know if I'm missing like a piece of my soul or something because everybody in my theater was laughing and having a good time. And I'm sitting there like, I, I was like, I felt like Malcolm McDowell in the clockwork orange where his eyeballs are forced open and he's forced to watch this horrific violence and horribleness and i'm sitting there going what's going on why are people laughing why like I, i'm wondering if there's something wrong with me um because i was so i, I you talked about wit I, I i didn't feel wit i didn't see wit everything was telegraphed a hundred percent every joke was landed with a thud because you could see it coming from uh, miles away. Um, and also I just was bored through most of it because it was so predictable. Look, I just talking about the plot alone. I'm not, I'm literally sitting at my desk right now with my heads in my hands. I'm so frustrated. Uh, it's not that I'm fine with like I liked uh, I liked the Force Awakens. Okay, is the Force Awakens kind of like a New Hope Redux? Yes, I'm okay with that. Um, but it, 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 even at its core, though, it still was trying to tell. It was it was hitting the beats, but it was still trying to tell a, a newish story. Like there was a different main threat. Sure, they still had a Death Star, kind of. It was a Death Planet, but they were still trying to advance the story this one this story um not only erases ghostbusters 2 which i kind of like and erases the all-female ghostbusters which was fine i didn't hate it um it is so dedicated just on a plot level to continuing the story of the first one but that you have the same villains you have the same uh like you know gate dogs <laughs> you know like you got the same you know carrie coon wears the same dress Gordon weaver wore at one point it's just it's so um burdened with the original and and that's fine it's a ghostbusters sequel but i felt like it's going backwards because it's just not moving anything forward it's just going back it's kind of like taking everything that they earned in the first one, which the great thing about the first one is it has, first of all, the first one is scary and it's funny. That's the key point. The other part that's great is Gozer, who, who's kind of hot, not going to lie, uh, and is played by Olivia Wilde in this one, so that's not bad either, um, is it, the, the idea of, you know, kind of a goofy scientist and two goofy occult guys, you know, like, and a nerd. And then just like, 
some blue collar dude off the street, you know, fighting demons on top of a, you know, uh, of a skyscraper. It's just such a unique and goofy idea that shouldn't work, but it does. And when you think about it, I mean, the end of Ghostbusters only lasts like five minutes, whereas like the end of this movie lasts for like four hours and like never ends. And I don't know, like, like I said, the first film is funny and scary. This movie is, this new one is not funny at all. I did not laugh. I laughed a couple times at Paul Rudd because he's Paul Rudd. Um, it's not scary at all. Um, which is a crying shame. Uh, even the use of practical effects, which I love, couldn't save this one. But I don't know. I, you know, if I had saw that message from Mr. Reitman before talking about family, I would have been in the mindset of, oh, the manipulation starts before the movie's even fucking starting. Because in the end, and I only got 10 seconds left, in the end, this movie biggest this movie's biggest flaw is that it cannot trust its emotions by itself it must manipulate you to the end and i'll have to save some of that for the spoiler discussion because some of the choices they make on the manipulation front are just gross all right all right there's that there's that all right folks please enjoy a short announcement from the ruminations radio network and we'll be right back We know you've been scared watching horror movies by yourself. Well, now you don't have to. Hang out with Ruminations of Red Rum. All things horror, from movies to the latest spooky games we've played. Come hang out. But hurry. The killer's behind you! Yeah, welcome back, folks. No, Will, I I tell you what. You know, you you make a very good case, and I'm kind of there with you, and... It's I, I think we should probably start the a little alert here for the folks listening that we're probably gonna from here on in dip into some spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, come back and find us after the weekend when you do. I admit I was in that theater that had a whole bunch of laughs and mine were among them. And I found I like I said, I found the humor to have some wit and some fun to it. Even if that stuff is telegraphed, I felt like they did some different things to kind of swerve it. Like like you expect a line from a mom that says one thing and then she says another or hammers the you know, the sarcasm home and I was okay with that. But um, no, to kind of agree with you on one end where this movie doesn't advance as much as you want. Like you do get new characters with this next generation with McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard and Carrie Coon and Paul Rudd. And they, you know, take it to a different setting in a different town and put large stakes to them that have obviously their historical roots and obviously a bigger, louder, you know, effects and things. But you're right. We're back. We're right back to Keymaker. You know, we're right back to Gozer and Zool, and we're right back to you know Keymaster and Gatekeeper, and that's probably a place where you're like, all right, familiarity is fine and all that, but you couldn't come up with bigger, newer villains, and it, or you know, if you're going to do Vigo the Carpathian and, and from Ghostbusters two, or include some more. Yeah, you couldn't I, give I, me a Vigo reference. I mean, right? I know, Ghost, I know Ghostbusters two has its problems, but sure. if you're gonna if you're gonna go. If you're going to go the exact opposite of a uh, kind of androgynous, let's not lie, sexy, mm-hmm. uh, super demon lady who has two demon dogs on top of a uh, on top of a skyscraper, yeah, the way to go the opposite is to have a living painting with slime. I mean, that's I yeah. mean, that's talk about going a different direction. Oh no! And, and like you said, scaries in there too in both movies. And this well, both one, both movies are, have a lot of scares in them. Like they're yeah. really scary. I mean, I I showed my daughter 
couple years ago, Ghostbusters mm-hmm. 1 and 2, and she liked them. She thought they were really fun, but she was also really scared. Yeah. You know, and I think that uh, I saw Ghostbusters 2 when I was five mm. in, the th- in, the th- in the theater. And sure. yeah, I, I laughed a lot, but there are sequences yeah. in that movie. V- Vico Carpathian will get stare you yeah. through that painting and freak you out. Yeah, but there's, I mean, there's, there is, that, that was something that the film wasn't afraid to do was like. It, mm-hmm. it, I agree with that. It wasn't afraid to scare you and make you laugh. Um, and I, I just missed that with this one because even when there were little touches now, uh-huh. okay. So like I said, spoiler territory here uh, at one point, just like in the first film, the mother and Paul Rudd become the key mm-hmm. master and the gatekeeper, whatever the hell they're right. called. And there is a moment where um, she speaks like, like one of those demon dog people mm-hmm. and she's got the red eyes. And anyone who knows me, I do not like eye stuff. Like Ooh, in, in right. movies, I don't like like people with red eyes or black eyes or any of that stuff. It creeps me out. Mm-hmm. But even that left me very cold. And I was okay. like, this is when it could get scary. And it just, yeah, there just wasn't. Uh, I, I like that the, a lot of the demon dog stuff was practical. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is such, and I'm not like an anti CGI guy. I mean, I like Marvel movies for God's sake. I was going to say, come on, but now. but. <laughs> There is, if you choose to go the practical route, yeah, you can't you can't have a shot with a awesomely constructed practical puppet, uh, you know, looking at Paul Rudd, and then in the next like two minutes of shots, have a very clearly CGI kind of fuzzy gray thing that's just bouncing off of walls it, it yeah it, it, it makes it it it's almost practically can't worse. keep up with the modern speed and that's where you always have that that no, switch I, on I, there yeah i don't mind that but you I, like i mm-hmm. said i love the practical the fact that they had practical got me excited i was like oh this is a practical puppet i don't care if it doesn't look quote unquote real wow, who cares it, it i don't care i love that because that there's craftsmanship there and and definitely there is craftsmanship with cgi i will never shit on cgi people mm-hmm. but like you kind of have to pick one or the other. Like you can't right. like you can't transition so fast between them. And and I mm-hmm. thought that like that that makes it more apparent. Like back in the day when you would have no CGI, but you would have matte paint, you would have a mixture of like art mm-hmm. and designs. Sure. You couldn't you couldn't see that drastic difference. But yeah, there's a scene in the uh, Walmart, by the way. The Walmart. Yes, the Walmart. Baskin Robbins. It's all so much <laughs> right. advertising. Um that's Sony making money. They always it's, it's do. It's like Michael Bay levels of advertising. Um, but there, yeah, there, there's there is a scene where like this really cool demon dog's like eating out of a bucket dog or something. Food. Yeah, dog food. Yeah, dog food, and you're like, hey, this is awesome. This is a practical thing. It's huge. Like like Paul Rudd's interacting with it, mm-hmm. and then yeah, and then the next thing you know, it's bouncing off walls, crashing through glass windows. It has no weight to it. It has no. You can't. Yeah, you can't show something real. And then switch it to a mm-hmm. switch it to like a CGI in, in such a way that they chose to do it, and I and I feel like I'm nitpicking, but it, it little, seems like little, it's it seems like every, it seems like every time the movie is making a step in the right direction, it okay. Like let, let's talk about a couple other spoiler things. Well, here, like I, yeah. I feel like tone wise, this movie, and I was trying to say it in my five minutes, you could tell Sony is here for. 
the, you know, making new audiences and the kid factor. Cause it definitely felt like this is a movie that passes the baton from adults to children. Like in there, you know, people stay after the credits because there's places that, you know, that springboard to the next thing as if it was a Marvel movie where you can easily mm-hmm. see McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard hanging around for a while. And mm-hmm. that's okay. New blood is a good thing. But at the same time, when you do that, you're softening a few things, like you're saying. Like there, you this the scares get a little less when there's kids involved. This you know the the emotions get a little softer because there's kids involved, and even the sarcasm goes down when there's kids involved instead of adults doing zinger jokes to adults. You know, like right. I keep thinking of um uh, who's our great who's our great sniveling villain from the first Ghostbusters. He's in Die Hard. I the actor. Oh yeah, and, I know. Um, Forsyth. No, no, Forsyth? no. It's um no, no, no. Um. We all know who he is. You know, this man is an enormous <laughs> dick, you know? Yeah. So like there's never, you're never going to get that. Like even when Bokeem Woodbine shows up as this sheriff, he's not really an agenda ruining bad guy or no. law enforcement presence or anything like that. The only villains in this movie are the mean things with red eyes. And maybe you need a little bit yeah. more human push there to, to, to fuck around with our people, but you have kids there. So who's really going to fuck with kids? So. William Atherton, by the way, that's the one. Yes, sir. Um, no, no, I agree with you. And by the way, Bokeem Woodbine, who I love, I'm glad I he do. shows up and stuff. Um, he has the worst line in the movie. Everyone oh was laughing. Oh my gosh, yeah. Everyone was no. laughing. And I was I was literally mumbling under my breath. I was so pissed off. And and, and Ben, friend of the show, mm-hmm. who's been on the show, was sitting next to me. And he was like, are you okay? I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> It pissed me off so much. I was so angry. I was visibly upset. Oh boy, I can picture um, that. But that 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 brings me to this other thing. And uh, okay, uh, so here's the thing: they've wanted to make Ghostbusters three forever. Mm-hmm. Fans have. Dan Aykroyd has. It's never come about. Bill Murray was always holding out, which right. always made me a little Freak upset star. because. Yeah. It always made me a little upset because then Harold Ramis died and it was like, well, now we'll never get it. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. That's 1984. Okay. Uh, 1989 mm-hmm. was Ghostbusters 2. Right. We don't get anything for I don't know how many years it is till 2016. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, we've lived through the film Twitterization of stuff like for be- for whether it deserves it or not, I-, I don't think Ghostbusters 2016 deserves all the hate that it got. No, I don't think um, so either. That's a lot of sexist bullshit stuff that that meatheads some other place are just bitching and moaning about women in yeah. men's places. I hate that exactly. shit. Exactly. But I-, I think that, like I said, I showed it. I, I- My daughter's 12. I she's, showed seen her- the- she's seen the 2016 one? She has not seen the 2016 one, but I, I have showed her the original two films. But there's still a little bit of a disconnect. Like, it's kind of like how I I showed my daughter like a bunch of Harrison Ford movies in a row. Okay. Because I was like, you got to see Harrison Ford. But I I think it's been so long since he's been part of the continuing consciousness, social, like uh, pop culture consciousness. Yeah. Like, because, like, for instance, like. um, Are you saying kids don't know the 80s stars unless they're Tom Cruise who's still making movies? Right. I, I think there's a disconnect. Yeah, I think we've, a we've disconnect. reached a point we've reached a point where people don't remember Bill being a fun guy and now he's just the indie guy in Wes Anderson movies. People don't Right. Arnold exactly. Schwarzenegger doesn't make movies anymore and Sylvester Sloan's the old man in a Creed movie. 
Right. Exactly. Like there is a, it's kind of like for my, my generation, you and I are relatively the same age. Mm-hmm. You know, there was always a couple of movie stars that your parents would talk about your grandparents and you'd oh, be yeah. like, Oh, that's cool. I know their names, but I'm not going to connect on the same emotional level. Mm-hmm. So I guess what I'm saying here is you're building Ghostbusters for a quote unquote new generation with the kids. Mm-hmm. You're throwing in somebody like a Paul Rudd is a big star, sexiest man alive, according to people. Right. But then you're going for these, and I'll talk about the manipulation part in a minute, but you're going okay. for these, for lack of a better term, Avenger Endgame moment, mm. where you, you there's a couple of Captain America Molnir moments in this oh, yeah. movie, where it's like, but here's the thing is, m- me being 39 and sitting in a theater full of 39 to 50 year old <laughs> critics, right? That gets a rise out of them. But what are the kids going to get out of this? Like, what is are that they going to get out of this? Is that why Finn Wolfhard is here and why Stranger Things is the conduit to 80s stuff for this no, generation? No. You, you were talking about how he's a new character. I don't think he's a character. I think he's Finn Wolfhard product placement. I, I think he's I agree. only he's only there to get kids yeah. in there. That's it. He, I, I, he's there to drive the car because he's older than McKenna Grace. No, was, he has yeah. no – and then they, they get some weird stuff going on because I think that the girl that he has got a crush on is like mm-hmm. 18 or 19, and yeah. you find out that he's 15, yeah. which, which, is, which is a funny line. But then you're like, well, wait a minute. I was kind of rooting for these kids, and now mm-hmm. it's like – now you've got a statutory thing going on. Like it's, <laughs> it's, it's right. very strange. It, it, so there's kind of these strange – and. And I, I like what you're talking about with the mom. I think that she is. They make a cool, like they're a cool couple. I like, I like them as a couple. I like right. them together. And how many and movies I, have we seen where the disillusioned, you know, dad was never around, daughter, you know, has a comeuppance or has a change of heart, and you know, or or is coming at it in a different way with a different kind of hate, and she keeps it pretty strong in the hate until we get that dad in the end and it's a nice soft moment and but it's also sure. a, uh, it's a manipulative thing and uh, it's a spoiler we're going to talk about soon I'm I sure. almost forgot about it and you had to bring it up oh you're welcome <laughs> no seriously okay this is where okay so uh, uh um I only know him as Schwieg do you know Schwieg from he's one of our writers 25 uh, years later I know him by name and I, reputation yeah yes I, I so I call him that. I know that's not his name, but that's just how, <laughs> how he is on Twitter, and that's what I call him. Yeah. So I told him, spoiler time, guys. I told okay. him about four or five days ago, I said, if there is a CGI Harold Ramis in this movie, mm. this, this movie can go fuck itself with a fork. Here we go. So that's why, fellow Facebook listeners, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you saw my post that said, fuck this movie with a fork, you know why I said that. Yep. It's a very deep reference. I think no, no, okay. I I tell you what I'll be the soft one first. I I I, I didn't mind that McKenna Grace was going to end up being his granddaughter. I think the glasses telegraph it so easy. It's a clue. I didn't watch yeah, the trailers, but I, I got that vibe. And fine. I liked I liked the subtle way that his presence was there with the little poltergeisty haunting stuff that was always around. But you're right. By the time he fucking force ghosts and shows up in the thing we all wish would have happened at the end of Rise of Skywalker, where we are all the Jedi. Like, I love what is it? Um, how I should have ended. 
the, the YouTube yeah, channel. Yeah, and like yeah. when they redo the ending of Rise of Skywalker, you know, instead of just having the voices, no, 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 have the fucking force ghost show up, Samuel Jackson, Hayden Christensen, bring everybody and make it look really good. We get that <laughs> moment, but with a dead CGI Harold Ramis. And it's touching in a lot of ways, but at the same time, you're like, whoa, we're they're they're going there and it's no, a lot. It, it it makes me feel okay, here's the thing. I was telling my yeah. dad about this. I was telling my dad about this. First of all, uh, a plus to the the technical crew on it because it looks it looks astounding. It looks hey what it looks great, and I'm glad they didn't make him talk. Nonverbal performance was cool. It helped. Yes, yes, and it is miles ahead of the freak show that was Rogue One. Oh yes, where you, where you had Tarkin, you know, um, and it, it just feels to me like we're inching closer and closer to like lacking humanity in our performances and, and, and it's, it freaks me out. I was telling my dad about this and I said, let's just say I, I obviously the family had to sign off on this. I would assume so. Yeah. Or whatever. Even if they were sold a bill of goods that said, we're going to honor his legacy and they, and they do it. There's nothing, mm-hmm. there's nothing like menacing about it or, or mean or anything no. like that. Um, do you, but you're going to call it exploitive. It still feels exploitative. Okay. I, and I don't like that feeling because when it was somebody like, um, uh, what's his name from Star Wars? Peter like Cushing. Said, Grandma Peter Cushing. Cushing there was Small a character, right? Yeah. But also there is that disconnect. I don't think, like, to me, Harold Ramis, you know, he only died not that long ago. Right. And he wasn't a huge name. No. But, but to me, we're getting closer to being like, you know, the Carrie Fisher, who was mm-hmm. a bigger name, like in Rogue One, or... Um, You're saying we're going to get a main character that's around for more than a cameo be a full replacement in a long movie. But also someone that may have died. It's it's like, so, there might be someone who's too raw, like they would never do that with like Chadwick Boseman in a Marvel movie. just going to bring but, Chadwick Boseman. But, but, I can see if it was somebody like I wouldn't put it past someone in five years to make a Heath Ledger Joker. You know that, what? That's what freaks mm. me out. Yep. Yeah. And because at this point, it no longer becomes that actor's performance. It becomes another property. And I, and mm. I just. And, that's a fair worry. That's a fair worry. And I, I, and it felt like even if the family was totally down on it. And just like you said, uh, Reitman was probably has his heart in the right place mm-hmm. blah 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 i i still feel that the film couldn't stand on excuse me couldn't stand on its own emotion wise without a not only bringing back the original characters in the cap molnir moment mm-hmm. but also um adding cgi man to it it, yeah. it just—it's almost like manipulation on top of manipulation, and it—it it just really pissed me. It put me in a really bad place because I was just like, "Yeah, you—you you can honor him in so many different ways." I mean, as much as people shit on the female Ghostbusters movie, mm-hmm. they had very limited cameos. They were more like playful cameos. Yeah, because they're the not playing cast. themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Right, and then there was a Harold Ramis like. A picture statue. on the wall. Yeah, yeah. No, it wasn't a picture. It was like a oh, bronze statue, like, like in the background. The university yeah, yeah. height. 
So it's kind of like, I just, I just feel like even, even the rise of Skywalker, which I think is an actual absolute dumpster fire of a film. It seemed to have some measure of, okay, Carrie Fisher's dead. Let's not overplay this. Right. You know what I mean? Like you want to call it it restraint. Yes, restraint. It, it okay. had restraint. This one has zero no, restraint. It, the nostalgia, and, the nostalgia knobs on twelve. It's true. And it, and it, yeah. that kind of nostalgia stuff, like really, there's two levels of nostalgia stuff I hate. Uh, a good friend, friend of the show, who we hope to have on someday, Jeff Mitchell. He just started watching Stranger Things, and I told him, I said, season one is okay. I feel like there's a, there's way too much. Like, hey, look, it's the '80s. That's mm-hmm. the kind of nostalgia I hate. Yeah, because yeah. I'd like rather Wonder Woman eighty four. Lot hey, yes, look at the eighties. Yeah, right. I'd rather you just tell a compelling story that, that just inter- happens to be. That, yeah, that integrates the time period without you pointing it out. Right. Um. And um. And season three of Stranger Things does that. It, it, okay. it That that season is a solid season because there's sure there's a mall and there's all this shit in it, but. Mm-hmm. It's more organic. Like, it's not pointing out, like, hey, it's the 80s. They've established themselves as a show that's set in the 80s. Whereas it's no longer like, look at me. Whereas this movie, bringing out the car and bringing out all the gadgets and not not really... And they try to slow play the Egon Spengler connection. So but once it's, all, once it's all there, it pours it on strong. It's so you. boring, too. Like... Because it's so predictable, and that's why I got more mad when it was just like, "Oh, it's just, uh, it's just uh, Zool again," and all that stuff. Because I was yeah. just like, "I that's was just my, like, okay." That's my strong- one disappointment. Is like, hey, I, if you're going to bring this all back and call it a bigger threat, don't make it the same threat. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, and it, it it takes forty minutes to get moving. Every step is telegraphed. Every joke is telegraphed, and. Don't don't worry, folks. I mean, I know that we're laughing. Some of the laughs were just uncomfortable laughs. Some of the laughs for mm-hmm. me were Paul Rudd being Paul Rudd because he's funny. It helps. Um, it helps. But then there is the who are you going to call joke, and it's like mm-hmm. just kill me, just kill me right yeah. now, kill end my life. Yeah, like, I, I I'm a I'm at peace with it. Like it's the, it's the fan service I can get behind to a degree, but at the same time I can easily step back and go, all right, there's a spot or two here. You poured it on a little thick. But mm-hmm. I, but I, at the end though, I, in terms of closing thought, I'll give you the final word here. But I, sure, I, the idea of the heart being in the right place was good enough for me because I think a fellow critic of mine, I, I'll, I won't steal his thunder on this. He's like, this movie finally had a message, or at least tried to have a message. And mm. I won't go so car- far as to call it a message. When you say message, you feel like it's a political statement movie, and there's this isn't a Bernie Sanders movie. So, um, no, for me, I. I was okay to have this infusion of heart to go with the joy because I still I'm still laughing. It's still a joy. It's still a zany little ghost thing going on. I'm with you. The scares are softened. I think that's because they're definitely angling for a kid crowd, and that's the crowd that's going to get this. And Finn and McKenna are enough to kind of be a bridge to bring you in there. The podcast kid's adorable. He's hilarious. And mm. you know, and Paul and his Paul name is fucking podcast, dude. His we have a podcast. Pod- we have a podcast. Yeah, it, but even you, you don't I go around at school and say you're podcast guy. I no, do. no. I, even <laughs> I know. Even I know that there is even it with the best intentions. Yeah, we are fifteen percent douchey for having a podcast. <laughs> we so are, the, we the, are the, indeed. The, we like to hear ourselves talk so much. Right, so. for all people to hear. So the fact that there is a character named Podcast 
<laughs> who's always recording. <laughs> it was a little much for even me speaking yeah. on a podcast right now. Like 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 Shang Chi when you have that one little scene of the YouTube guy recording the bus fight. Yeah, one, one yeah. moment, fun. Take it away. You know, good yes. for his moment. All movie long running commentary, kid. Yeah, it's a little much. Yeah, <laughs> that is funny. And yeah. wow, Shang Chi. We're talking about good movies. I know. Mm. Well, here, final thoughts to close <laughs> this out, sir. No, I have no final thoughts. I, no, I, I told, yeah. I told, I had to back away a little bit mm-hmm. when this, the Sony rep asked me for my thoughts. Ooh. First, I told them I, I, can only make, yet. I, I can only make guttural noises. No. Um, but then I told him I just, I, I actually could not complete my thoughts. I was so upset. Okay. Um, like I said, it's, let me just put it this way. I, I'm sure many of you will love it uh, because most of the people on my feed who are, People who haven't seen it yet are saying that because I hate it, it'll probably be their favorite film of the year. <laughs> right. um, and it's a barometer people, that works, folks. It's and, a barometer and then, that works. And then friends of the podcast who were there at the screening are like, what movie did you watch? Because I loved it. Yeah. Fine. I and here's the thing. I never I never crap on anybody for liking it. Like, it's not my goal in life to convince you otherwise of your opinion. Right. I will never yeah. do that. Like, it's I in told, our show message, you know? Hey. Yeah. I told somebody, somebody was like, oh, I loved it. I'm very happy. And I said, hey, I am happy you're happy. Mm-hmm. Like, I will never sit there and try to lecture them and be like, no, you're wrong because this movie actually sucks. No, it's totally my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are susceptible to, uh, feeling pandered to whether it be fan service or overt manipulation. Um, if you're not a fan of like referencing things over and over again to the point where you're like, okay, I get it. And if you've seen any movie that's been released in the last 50 years of which the first 40 minutes of this film will be like, yeah, I know. I know it's the ghostbuster car. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I know it. I know he's Egon. Like mm-hmm. it's that was frustrating to me too because I was just like okay okay yeah just say your last I name already. Know already. This. Mm-hmm. I yeah. know this like it the first forty minutes is a chore at least for me so anyways that's that's my whole point with it if you love it please love it all day it's gonna be a hit you know it's yeah. gonna be a hit gonna so. rake then the money oh yeah exactly oh that reminds me I gotta pull up my. Uh, <laughs> I was so busy hating it, I, I forgot that I have a script to read. Okay, so uh, if Don kind of liked it, so you know, if you're if so, there you go. Follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fits Podcast. Also, find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fits is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by RuminationsRadioNetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know <laughs> how we're gonna do this one because oh, I'm a big, I'm a big splat on this one. I think your one and my three and change averages it, averages it to a splat, and that's okay. Okay, good with good for me. Uh, if because I wouldn't be able to survive if if anything with my name on it gave this a positive review. I if believe. you enjoy <laughs> if you enjoyed this show, we have more where that came from. With interesting hosts like us, like I said, 15% douchey, and wonderful guests, all available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite shows.
Hey, this is Charlie, Triple C, from Brevity Box, a new and interesting podcast from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're a fan of podcasts, we have a lot of great content to offer. Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at ruminationsradionetwork.com.